Hi, and welcome to Screening Room with Chet and Dee. I'm Chet. And I'm Dee. I'm a boomer. And I'm a millennial, and we both love classic movies. We think you're going to love them, too, if you give them a shot. Which is where we come in. We're here to talk about those old movies. We tell you why we think they're so good, and we give you a little background about how they were made. And we'll also talk about what these movies can teach us about history, about people. And maybe even about the meaning of life. Good movies try to do that. And that's why we want you to watch them. Okay, I gotta, I mean, just, I gotta stop you right now. You, th- this voice, this is, this is not your normal voice. This is my normal voice. No, this is not your normal voice, Dee. This is, we've been doing this, this podcast for quite a while now. You have never sounded like this before. What is, what's, what's up with you? I just watched a movie where... A movie? A movie. Yeah, and what happens in this movie? What what the somebody somebody, somebody else. uses a different voice. Somebody is somebody plays somebody else. Somebody is impersonating somebody else in this movie. What what pray tell yes. would this movie be? This would be nineteen fifty eight Vertigo. Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Alfred gosh. Hitchcock. Vertigo? Vertigo. Are we going to talk about Vertigo this week? We're going to talk about Vertigo. Holy crap. Uh, uh, Vertigo, this is... I don't know if you know this. Do you like having Vertigo? You sound really excited about... I don't like having Vertigo, but I like Vertigo a lot. In fact, I I more than like Vertigo, I love Vertigo. Vertigo is one of my all-time, all-time, favorite movies. Spokesperson. This might be my favorite movie of all time. Of of all my all-time favorite movies, this might be my all-time favorite. All time yes. favorite, even yes. at, wow, I you know what I, I don't mean to like copy you, yeah, because I don't know maybe sometimes I do that, but after watching it today, yeah, I think I, you, it's up there, it's up there, it's, it's up there. okay, it's up there. it's up there, um, it's up there with Funny Girl, okay, um, Cyrano de Bergerac is my, okay, oh we're gonna up talk there about above that, that one, soon. okay, All but right. Vertigo's. Well, uh, maybe okay. third. Before we get too far, we got two two housekeeping uh, oh, bits yes. of business here. Number one, we've got uh, again A guest. another co-host, A special guest. Um, who's you want to introduce your co-host here? Yes, we have Loretta, Loretta, young Loretta, not Loretta Young. <laughs> yeah, that's Loretta. There, in case you couldn't couldn't hear that, uh, Loretta is our uh, 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 my little baby, a, uh, our, our co-host, and she is how old? Almost three months Almost old. Almost three months. Okay. Yep. And she's already watched more movies than most of the people that we're trying to reach. Did she watch Vertigo as she well? She watched Vertigo. And what was her verdict? Yeah. Oh my gosh. She loved it. <laughs> she too. loved it too. All oh right. my gosh. You've got you good didn't taste, you didn't see Loretta. the you didn't see the plot twist coming, did you? No. No. I bet she's I mean I mean she hasn't seen a whole lot of stuff happen right. in her life to like really have okay. a grasp that plot twist is gonna happen. But... Anyway, so Loretta's first per- housekeeping second is it's our first I, hitchcock movie yeah our second on podcast right uh, i understand you got a new promotion and a job title um yeah yeah um it's a funny thing on maternity leave that i could that's right get a new job so not only are you co-host of this show yeah you, you've been officially recognized as both the producer and the director if i'm not mistaken i'm trying to achieve um what I'm just trying to be like Barbara, trying to be all I else I need is um actor. Oh, I got director. Yeah. I got producer. I just need actor. Yeah. Okay. She didn't do any writing. So maybe I could do some writing too. Okay. Well congratulations um, and this probably comes with a big pay raise as well, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, the maternity leave is great. I get to stay home with my daughter okay. every day and watch movies. I don't it's probably one of the best jobs I've ever had, to be honest with okay. you. All right. um, well, even let's... though I don't get paid. Yeah. 
Okay, let's get into the movie. All right, and we got to, before we get too far, we got to also say something about this movie. This is, we always say we're going to spoil these movies, okay? But of all the movies that we could spoil, this this is the one that when we spoil it, we're going to, it, it, there's spoiled. no going back. There's yeah. no hiding because anything. There is a, just a humongous plot twist that happens uh, about midway through this movie. You're not going to see it coming, and uh, we're going to spoil it for you. Um, you can watch it on YouTube, um, yeah, because unfortunately it's not available on demand for free on any of the streaming services. So, so yeah, you gotta to, pay, you gotta pay or on Amazon Prime, whatever. Know, um, yeah, pay a couple open bucks. The wallet, pay five bucks. It's worth it. No, it's it. cheaper than that. It's like oh, three ninety nine. Okay, all right. So so watch it first, and if you okay, if yeah, you don't because even us, though we. Uh, we usually do a really great job describing movies for the other movies. And you're like, I don't even need to watch yeah, it. I felt like I watched it. The podcast was so entertaining in and of itself. I have no need to go watch the no, movie. No, you really in need to case, watch this one visually. The, and Believe it or not, yeah, the movie's going to be even better we, than We do it justice, but you still yeah. you need to see it. Okay, so if, if you're still with us and you haven't seen it yet, okay, it's, it's going to be your loss. It, but it, it'll still be worth seeing. Even after we spoil it, because it's such a darn good movie. Well, and okay. you're gonna be like, no, yeah, no, I gotta see this. To no, yeah, okay. So, all right. Well, so tell us. Okay, so we got uh, Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak are the the leads. Okay. I'll so Jimmy Stewart, we talked about him in It's a Wonderful Life. Kim Novak, we haven't talked about her, but you're about to find out who the, who yeah. she is. Yeah, and she was already a big star by the time she made this, even though she was only like 24 when she was filming. Yeah. And 25 when it comes out. Yeah. What have, <laughs> what have you accomplished? <laughs> hey, you're older. I mean, compared to getting up back, you're old. And what, I mean, uh, what have you got? Just a baby. That's yourself? about it. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we've got those two in it. And we, uh, we've we already said it's directed by Alfred Hitchcock. And even though we love just about everything Alfred Hitchcock does, this is... Um, I mean, for me, this Psycho is... is maybe almost as good as this. No, I would say no. Well, I've watched Psycho like I mean, I 20 like Psycho times. A lot. I've only watched I like this it a lot. one maybe a dozen times. I don't know. But it's um, it's a it's a very different movie, but in some ways uh, maybe we'll talk about this eventually. There are there are a lot of similarities between this movie and Psycho. Um, and I think he learned a lot of stuff doing this this movie that helped in Psycho, but anyway. Um, well, and I also want to say one of the reasons why it's one of my favorite films. Yes. Um, just on, like, yeah. cultural-wise, mm -hmm. I think it's a movie that really can, like, for the people that we're trying to reach, because all of the other movies that we've recommended, the a classic folks. movie, <laughs> yes, the, the, the young people, the kids. all the kids other movies, today. classic movie lovers, I mean, this movie, too, is no exception, to where it's a movie they've already watched and heard of. Mm -hmm. um, and, but, like, with this movie... Um, what is it about this movie? This is actually the movie that the young'uns yeah. have not seen or heard of. Yeah. To where they would actually yeah. love this movie. Why? Oh, people like kind of like twisted movies. It's twisted. It's twisted. It is kind of um, twisted. There's some twisted stuff going on um, in this movie. So the people that we're trying to reach that uh -huh. wouldn't normally actually watch what we recommend because like, oh, they're recommending yeah. a movie and they like class. Yeah, no, I like the today's stuff. Yeah. This is a movie that is going to yeah. be shown and all the future generations are going to like it. Yeah. Because it's got the twists we're gonna and have, we're, also it's... we got murder. 
And we've got obsession. Possession. Pos possession and obsession. And uh, right now, people, I mean, they like murder podcasts. They like yeah. murder documentaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is kind of right up the alley. And plus, Kim Novak, she's an actress. When she's playing that part, she looks like she'd be playing like that today. That like that today? she would like no 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 like the act how she looks she kind of looks like she was born in the wrong okay. time she kind of looks like she should be uh-huh okay an actor today mm -hmm. and her eyebrows are basically goals for this era yeah like today actually i gotta say i first saw this movie in i believe it was late 1985 or early 1986 um this in in this movie first of all it it uh this Part of its appeal was that it was locked away for so long because uh, it got shown, obviously, in the 1950s, uh, didn't make a ton of money, and the critics didn't even, like, say all that good things about it. Now, today's critics all agree, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. At the time, they were kind of meh about it, but it gets locked away. And it stays in uh, in the vault until after Hitchcock dies, and then his estate gets settled, and then they sell the TV rights to Universal, and then they start putting it on TV stations in 1986, I guess, is when I see it for the first time. And I knew that I liked Hitchcock because I had already seen Psycho, but this movie just floored me. I mean, I was expecting to like it. How I old were you when you watched it? I must have been like 20. Yeah. I remember, I still remember watching it in my apartment um, shortly after I had moved in there. So, yeah. So, why do you think at 22, in your time, that you would like it, but maybe a 22-year-old today say, wouldn't? I didn't like the eyebrows in 1986, but I liked everything. It just, this movie just, it, it just kind of grabs you by the collar. It sucks you in. And it fools you so completely. You believe like two or three different things. Like I said, we're going to spoil all of it. But if you watch it not knowing what's coming, you're going to be taken around some, some corners and you're going to be so knocked off your feet by the fact that you got surprised that you're going to be emotionally vulnerable. And then it's really going to end. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to tell you again. Yes, no. I'm going to do yourself, you a favor because this is a movie I'd like to watch for the first time again. So you're going to go watch it. Okay, yeah. you're gonna. I'm gonna live vicariously through you. Yeah. So you're not gonna let us spoil it for you. You are going to go watch it. You. You're gonna you stop right the money, now. Or if you live in Rochester, mm -hmm. we'll let you borrow the DVD player if you still have a DVD player. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's go. Let, let's get more into the movie. Uh, we talked about Jimmy Stewart. We talked about Kim Novak, and we said it's directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, that's yeah. enough for now. We'll introduce the other people. Yeah. I guess is there. Yeah. Okay. So what happens in this movie? Uh, uh, Movie opens up. Uh, Jimmy Stewart is playing this uh, detective named uh, John Ferguson. He goes by Scotty is his nickname. And the first thing we see is that uh, opening scene, they're chasing this bad guy across the rooftops of San Francisco. The movie's shot in San Francisco. Beautiful San Francisco. Make great use of all the landscape in San Francisco. Anyway, he's jumping across the rooftops. And, oh, he doesn't quite make it. He slides down. He's hanging on the gutter. And he, as he's hanging on the gutter, he looks down. And for the first time, Hitchcock uses this special effect where, 
the camera is actually being pulled back at the same time that the lens is being zoomed forward and it's the, not best known as the trombone effect the, but that's the name i remember because visually that it's yeah it's like a trombone yeah. so that's and what they call it and it's made to show you the fact that that Jimmy they Stewart, later do it in jaws they do that like i didn't know that yeah okay and i guess they do it in goodfellas i didn't know that either. yeah okay well, anyway, it's to emphasize the fact that Jimmy Stewart discovers at that moment, as he's hanging, like, five stories up in the air from this gutter, that he has acrophobia. He is terrified of heights, and it gives him vertigo, which is this dizzy sensation. Um, and as he's hanging there, then this cop who is ahead of him comes back to try to get him, and the cop's trying to give him a hand, and Jimmy Stewart is so paralyzed with fear, he can hardly do anything, and the cop ends up falling and dying and that's it that end of that scene and the next thing we know here's jimmy stewart and he's in the apartment of his, his friend from college midge played by barbara barbara bell Geddes. yeah who uh, uh i remember mama yes we saw her and i remember mama uh as a uh, like a teenager mm -hmm. she started making movies and then most baby boomers uh, we'll remember her from the the TV show Dallas, um, but anyway, she did did movies before that, and she plays Midge, who was at one point in time we find out that he, there was some romantic connection, and they were even briefly engaged when they were in college, but now she's just like uh, Scotty's pal. Although we we do kind of catch on that she's still got feelings for him, even though he sees her as just one of the guys. Um, Anyway, so Scotty is in her apartment. He's talking about how he's had to retire from the force, and it's because of this vertigo. He, you know, he just doesn't feel like he could do his job safely anymore, and he doesn't work behind a desk, and he's got enough money to retire anyway. And so, this is, you know, he's just ready for the next phase of his life. And uh, 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 Midge says, "Well, yeah, I heard about it. I talked to my doctor about it, and it's like, yeah, you're probably not going to be cured. The only thing that might cure you." another emotional shock but of course that's never going to happen and so and then scotty mentions oh well, speaking of college days um my buddy uh, gavin contact me yeah gavin elster this guy that we what both think, knew in yeah. college he called me up and says he wants to meet me and so uh then the next scene is he's meeting with gavin elster and it turns out gavin elster um, who's played, played by, by Tom Helmore. Yeah, Tom Helmore, where he has a fantastic voice, um, but not too many famous movie credits uh, to his resume. Anyway, <coughs> Gavin Elster, that's exactly right. Uh, um, Gavin Elster says, uh, I heard about your illness. I'm really, you know, sorry. Are you okay? And uh, Scotty says, oh, yeah, I'm fine, you know. And, and then Gavin Elster says, well, I've got a, uh, now that you're retired, I've got a job for you. I would like you to go uh, to follow my wife. And Why did he want him? She having a, she's stepping out on him. Yeah, I mean, that's, what, that's uh, of course, what Scotty first assumes. And Gavin says, no, 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 we're happily married. I am afraid for her for her safety because, and get this, I think she might be possessed by the spirit of her great-grandmother. And, of course, Scotty is just completely skeptical okay. of this. And, and again, part of what makes this work so well is that Gavin is so incredibly serious and believable and rational as he explains why he thinks this might be true, and he accepts the fact that uh, Scotty is probably not going to believe this, but just, you know, humor me anyway and, and go follow her. And so Scotty, um, oh, yeah. Oh, they oh. go to, they got, no, he's like, 
so uh, Scotty says no, and then Gavin's like, okay, I know what I was going to get this guy to take follow yeah. my wife. Yeah. You're going to come to Ernie's. We're going to go eat at this famous restaurant in San Francisco called Ernie's. You come and see her. Because he doesn't say come and meet her. He's like, come and see her. Because they yeah. don't meet. Right. He just sees her. If he's and she's tailor. wearing a, yeah. uh, a, green. a green shawl. This- yeah, well, this, it's more than a shawl. That doesn't really do it justice. But this, it's like, oh, it's dang. Like a, this it's like Kelly green yeah. or emerald, sorry. Like an emerald green. Yeah. yeah. And it's Kim Novak. great with her platinum blonde hair, which and I will not forgive her she for is, making me want to have that. Which, my, Michelle, yeah. if you're listening, Kim Novak's the reason why. I'm like, please dye my hair. And you're like, no, it's going to ruin your hair. Yeah. But, but oh, she's she the just, reason. And, I blame and again, her. When you say platinum blonde, a lot of people she's think... She's a bimbo, okay? No, she's a, no, she's, she's not. You say platinum blonde, and people think, oh, you mean Marilyn Monroe bimbo kind of... No, no. She looks, even though she's only 25 Her years old... Her name was actually Marilyn, by the way. I did not know. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so I had to change it for obvious reasons. Okay. Because she was going to be Columbia's answer to Marilyn Monroe. Okay. Well, she is, Kim Novak is just gorgeous. And no, she doesn't look like a bimbo. She looks like this incredibly sophisticated, wealthy, beautiful goddess of a woman. And Scotty is sitting at the bar looking, you know, peeking over his shoulder to get a look at her. And as soon as he sees her, you can just see in Scotty's head, it's like, okay, I I guess if I have to follow this woman around, I can, I can do that. What else do I have to do? Yeah. So he starts following her, and this is where it gets really good because he starts following her around, and she's she's acting really mysterious, really strange. She goes, she gets this floral. She goes, arrangement. no, no, no. She no. Goes, uh, she, you forgot. What? She's going down an alleyway. Oh. He, she, what do you think he's thinking he's gonna walk into when they park in it? Oh, she stops in an alleyway, oh, like halfway, and it's like she's you can just somebody. park in a, an alleyway. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the back door back to door. this to, to this florist, and she goes in and she gets this like, floral oh, that's arrangement. Harmless. This this incredibly, she's got a very specific floral arrangement apparently that she wants. Okay, so then he follows her. She takes a floral arrangement and she goes and she sits at the art museum. She and she's staring at this portrait. She's staring at this portrait like she sits there for hours. And he notices her hair's done the same way as the woman in the portrait, who's also a blonde, and it also has a floral arrangement that looks exactly like the one that she just got at. The and then he goes and he follows her and she goes to the cemetery and she stands in front of this this tombstone and he looks and he sees this tombstone of Carlotta Valdez. This is weird. Okay, who's Carlotta Valdez? Oh, that was the name of the lady in the portrait. That's right, He because he asked the guy at the museum. Then she goes to this old house that's been converted into a hotel and she just goes in there and she sits and then she he asks the, the lady who works at the uh, at the front desk, What's the deal? And she says, oh, well, she just comes in here and sits every every once in a while. I don't ask any questions and, and all that. And then, oh, and then they throw in this little twist. And he says, well, okay, well, don't tell her when she comes down that I was here. And she says, well, she hasn't been here today, even though she just walked in five minutes earlier. Yeah, we saw her. Yeah, we saw her. But, oh, mysteriously, she's disappeared. Okay, so Jimmy Stewart this whole time. Scotty is like, what is going on with this? I mean, he's still not buying this, but it's like, there is something definitely weird here. Okay, so then he goes back and he reports to Gavin Elster. And he and he says, well, look, uh, yeah, your wife did all this stuff. And then Gavin Elster says, well, Carlotta Valdis was her great-grandmother. And he goes, well, uh, okay, so that was her great-grandmother. And then he goes, well, and then she went mad and and... and 
killed herself. And it's like, well, okay, well, that, and I can understand why somebody would become obsessed with their ancestor with such a weird story. And then he goes, she never heard of Carlotta Valdes. I found out about Carlotta Valdes from her family, but their family didn't want to tell her because they were afraid that she would turn out the same way as her great-grandmother. Because or whatever. her grandma also kill herself right and so then oh i forgot okay before that he had actually gone to midge after the first day and said uh hey who do you know about who knows about san francisco history and midge knows a guy yeah so and of course midge knows a guy because midge is the kind of person who just you know would know guys all over town that know interesting things so she takes him to this book uh, bookstore and this guy with this strange accent which i can't quite decide whether it's french or whatever tells her the story of Carlotta Valdes and how she was this rich guy found her dancing somewhere and married her and then gave her this great big house and then she had a child and then he took the child and he threw her away and then she went crazy and killed herself and all that kind of stuff so he knew that part about it and then Gavin says oh she never heard that story and then so at this point Scotty is he's legitimately confused it's like I you can tell he doesn't want to believe in ghosts but this story is getting weirder and weirder by the moment. And as the viewer, you're starting to think, there might be something to this. Like, I, I mean, like when I watched it the first time, it's like, I, is this a ghost story? Are we watching? Am I watching a ghost story? Because it kind of seems, it, because I got no idea what's coming in the plot because I didn't have a podcast to listen to. So I'm watching it for the first time and I'm thinking, oh, Alfred Hitchcock is making a ghost story here. Because it, it sure seems like she's possessed. Okay. Then the next day he follows her some more. And where does she go? She goes to Golden Gate Bridge. And she goes to the park at the base of Golden Gate Bridge. And she's got that floral arrangement again. And she's throwing flowers in the water. And Scotty's watching her from a distance. And then the next thing you know, poosh, she jumps yeah, in. That was a good effect. Yeah, she jumps into the bay. And he's got to go jump in and save her. And he drags her out. And she's just like passed out. No idea what's going on. So then he takes her back to his apartment and... Undresses her. Uh, yeah, the next thing we he see is that... He pneumonia. That's right. She's in his bed. It has nothing to do with... Buck naked. And her clothes are drying in the kitchen and he's in the other room giving her, her some privacy. Although, uh, clearly, he couldn't have given her a whole lot of privacy when he was taking her clothes off. And uh, she wakes up and she has no idea where she is. And then... Um, he has called Gavin Elster and said, oh, I've got your wife. She's fine. I'll bring her home later. Um, and then she gets up and it's like, you know, who are you? Where am I? And all this kind of stuff. And she has no recollection of how she, you know, how or why she jumped into the bay. She thinks she fell. He actually says, you fell into the bay. And she says, oh, and you fished me out? And oh, okay. And so uh, then Gavin Elster uh, calls him back and he goes to answer the phone and then Madeline disappears. Okay. So he is just like, I don't know what's going on, but I think she's crazy. Uh, she could be possessed or she could be suicidal, but she's incredibly charming. Yeah, and she's he was incredibly kind of, beautiful. And um, well, he was kind of taking care of her. Like when you bring home a, well, okay, this isn't the same thing. Uh, it's kind of like when you bring home a, a kitten, but it's it's deeper than that. Because yeah, obviously yeah. he's attracted to her. Oh, he's but very he's attractive. but he's very yes. doting. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Oh, and there, there's the moment where he's pouring her coffee. And he says, let me get you some more coffee. And they both reach for the coffee cup at the same time and their hands touch. And it's this, whoa, uh, moment of intensity. But it only lasts for a second because that's when the phone rings. And, okay. So, again, you're thinking, is this a ghost story? Is she crazy? Well, she's not crazy. Maybe she's got multiple personalities. So whatever it is. But it's, it's, it's getting creepier all the time okay and then the next day he goes to follow her again and he's following her around and again jimmy stewart does just such a fantastic job the whole time there's no dialogue he's following her around we're just seeing the expressions on his face as he's behind the wheel of his car following her and Which, we're just seeing his reaction to this i love those steering wheels my the white steering wheel. yeah well my one of my dad's my dad's a farmer and one of his um grain trucks has the steering wheel like that so i know what that feels like because yeah. obviously as a millennial i do i've yeah. never actually driven yeah uh, just, but like that it has your fingers can go in there and it's thin but, it's, white, but then yeah, yeah my hands wheel. get so sweaty i can imagine how it would be kind of hard yeah. to get a grip on but it's so cool yeah it's like it's almost as big as a <laughs> yeah. yeah um anyway so he's got this puzzled expression on his face turns out she's been driving around to find his apartment again so she's going to see him, yeah, so he has to, you know, coyly pull up behind her and get out, like, oh, I just got home from wherever. And then it turns out she's written him a note to, to thank him and to apologize, and then they have this kind of awkward scene where, like, you know, I, it must have been really hard for you, and it's, no, I enjoyed, well, I mean, I enjoyed meeting you, and you can see that, I mean... He's, well, he's he really read it, hit the thank you note in front of her. I mean, that yeah. would be like having somebody like listen to our podcast in front of us for me. Yeah. I'd be like, no, I can't. Please don't do that. And then, Please don't do that. So he, you can see he just decides on the spot, okay, well, instead of just following her around, yeah. I'm just going to oh. say, how about we just go around together? Wander together. Uh, yeah, because she says... She's just a wanderer, which is the same word that he used to tell Midge when Midge asked him what the heck he's been doing lately. He says, oh, I just wander around the city. And it's like, oh, okay. And then he says, well, can I wander with you? And she says, well, only one is a wanderer. Two together are always going somewhere. And he says, oh, that's not necessarily true. And so then they start driving around together. And he's like trying to be her psychologist, figure out why it is that she's doing these things without letting on that he's been hired by her husband and without trying to tell her things about Carlotta that she might not know and all that kind of stuff. And they go to the Redwood forest and she's looking at the sequoia trees and, okay, um, and then it's always green ever living sequoia trees. Yes. And then, yes, she'll say all these cryptic things. Like I hate the fact that I'm going to die and these trees are going to go on living. And then they're looking at this one tree that's been cut down. That was a thousand years old. And then she kind of goes into this trance sort of thing and says, here I was born and, there I died and um, very mysterious and then she runs away from him and she runs toward the uh, oh they're at the later they're at the beach the shore whatever maybe it's the same place I can't remember um, and they have their first kiss where she says I don't want to die I want to go on living and the waves are crashing on the shore and they have their first kiss there and uh, it's clear he's in love with her and she's in love with him and um, all that so okay so they're they're hanging out there a couple and he's like trying to save her supposedly on behalf of her husband and he thinks his her husband is still in love with her but yet he's in love with her and all that kind of stuff and then the the next thing you know uh they're gonna get together and um 
Oh, she starts telling him about this dream she has where she's at this, like, uh, this, this Spanish village she thinks it is, and she starts describing all the stuff, and then Scotty realizes, oh, no, no, this is a real place. There's this, this Spanish mission that's 100 miles south of San Francisco. I've been there before. It's a park, actually. Now it's a museum, and uh, you can walk around. This, this is the thing that you're thinking of. And so he says, well, let's drive down there, and then we're, I'm going to show you. And then this I is, think they listened to our podcast on the way there. I think they did listen to the podcast in drive. the car because it's, yeah, it's 100 miles, so it's a long drive. So they go down there, and... Um, he says, oh, see, all the stuff that you said in your dream, it's all here, you know, clearly. And she says, I've never been here before. I don't know what you're talking about. And then she goes into one of those trances again, and it's like she's talking about, oh, the, the, you know, the sisters told us we couldn't play here and all this kind of stuff. And he's confused. Are you? Am I talking to you in the past, or am I talking to Madeline or Carlotta or whatever? Uh, okay. And then they're, they're, they're out in the open, and then they see this big church, and um, apparently this was filmed on location. There actually is this park here, but th even though there's a church, they do not have this huge tower, but mm -hmm. there's this huge tower on this church. And she looks over at this tower and they're having this kiss and she seems just really conflicted and he doesn't know what's going on. And he's saying, oh, you're going to be cured now. And she's like, no, no, I, there's, there's something I have to do. And she, um, she says, you, you got to promise me, you got to let me go into that church all by myself. Okay. Don't follow me in the church. And it's like, well, I, he doesn't understand what's going on. And then she looks up at the tower and then she runs into the church. And then he's like, no, no. I, and then he decides to follow her into the church. He runs into the church to follow her. Kid doesn't know where she is, and then he hears footsteps, and she's climbing up the bell tower. Okay, and so she's going up the steps to the bell tower, and then wouldn't you know it, the vertigo, vertigo. comes back because it's an open staircase, and he's looking down, and uh, they do the trombone effect, and, and he's starting to, a little bit lower. Yeah, yeah he's uh, that's true. It is a little little lower and he's starting to get the vertigo again and he can't you know he gets halfway up and he's just gotta stop but she keeps going up and then the next thing and here's the big spoiler okay big spoiler if you're still with me and you, you haven't decided whether or not you're gonna see the rest of the movie this is your last chance okay this is this your is last, last chance. chance okay again we need, we ship, we'll ship the dvd out okay you'd have to pay for the shipping all right, if you're still with us, he's halfway up. He has to stop because he's got the vertigo go again. And he hears a scream and he scream and he looks out the window and. Whee! Okay, that is really cool though, like that he's not even at the top and he sees his body dropping. And oh. Madeline is falling out the window, and there goes Kim Novak, the woman he's in love with, the woman, the woman that if uh, you're the male viewer watching it, you're in love with, and she's just like, what? What the heck? We're not even halfway through the movie, and Kim Novak is dead? Kim dead. Yeah. And so this is where you're just floored. Okay. And then they had the inquest, and at the inquest, they the judge, oh, just humiliates Scotty, and it's like, they oh, they rule it an accident. They rule it a suicide, and, you know, unfortunately, the detective was, uh, couldn't make it up the steps and let her die. Uh, that, there's <laughs> nothing we can do about it. He was, you know, he was too much of a wimp to... To save her, but that's the way it is. And then um, you can tell that Scotty is just, you know, uh, guilt. in shock and guilt and depression and all that kind of stuff. And then Gavin comes over and he says, oh, I don't blame you for what happened. We both know that she was possessed. And he didn't know that. He was in love with his wife. 
Yeah, he doesn't know that. Um, yeah, but he's got multiple reasons to feel guilty. Yeah, and Gavin says, "Ah, you know, we're never going to see each other again because I'm, I'm, I'm so sick about this whole thing. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to leave the country and all that kind of stuff." And then, okay, then after that, Scotty is wandering around the city and he's just in this state of shock. And everywhere he goes, he, oh, 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 wait, no, he he sees that a woman bought Kim's car. Is this before? Yeah, he, he goes to... The, yeah, he doesn't... Yes. Okay. He, he he keeps going around the city, and he keeps thinking he sees her everywhere. He sees the car. Somebody else bought the car. He goes back and to the apartment And she's wearing, like, she an outfit that's very similar. Sees women wearing clothes that we recognize that she wore and all that kind of stuff. And then um, the next thing we know, Scotty is so far gone that he's had to be institutionalized. He is suffering from acute melancholia. Midge goes to visit him. He can't speak. He can't talk. She's talking to him. He doesn't even realize she's in the room. He's just got this blank expression on his face. Midge tells the doctor, oh, by the way, he was in love with that woman that he's got this guilt complex over. And, you know, it's going to be whatever. So he's in there for like six months, a year. We're not even sure. So he goes out. And even after he goes out, he still is seeing women that he thinks are... Madeline, he's still seeing all these things that remind her of her, and he's you know, he's wrong every time. He he keeps thinking he sees her, but he doesn't see her. And then finally, he sees this girl on the street that looks I don't know a little like her. I don't. What, what would you say? Does Judy look like Madeline? No. No. I mean, face wise, yeah. Got the same facial Ish, structure. But makeup's completely wrong. Okay, now I gotta ask you. Hair this. is completely wrong. Okay, this is the next spoiler. Yeah. This one is Kim Novak. Okay? Now, I got to ask you, you are the all-time champion when it comes to recognizing actors in different roles in different movies. When you saw this movie for the first time and you see Judy, who has got brown hair and is wearing kind of cheap clothes and um, a bad makeup job and all that kind of stuff, do you say, oh, that's, that's... I'd say that's Kim Novak playing two different people. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you, I recognize Kim you, Novak, you think, but uh, yeah, I recognize her as playing. It's like okay, why? Wow, that's weird. Why do they? They just want him to have somebody that looks a lot like her. Okay, yeah. is that gonna where be is it? Going her her where lost going? twin or yeah. whatever? Well, just to have somebody that looks like her, so then he becomes. Yeah, it could be. I mean, you, okay. people do that All in right. movies. Okay. When I saw the movie the first time, I didn't even realize it was Kim Novak. That's, that's because were you really in love with her then? So I, don't know. I think maybe you weren't. I don't. Well, so that's, you didn't recognize that's, her. that's part of the what's so cool about this movie. Okay, but anyway, it is Kim Novak, but she, her name is Judy, and he follows her and into... And her voice is completely different. Yeah, her voice is very different, and he follows her in and says he wants to talk to her, and she's creeped out about this yeah. guy who's followed her into the hotel where she lives, so I just want to talk to you. And it's like, why do you want to talk to me? Who the hell are you? And all this kind of stuff. And she has to prove to him. She shows him a drive. I'm Judy Barton. I'm from Salina, Kansas. And she sounds like she's from Salina, Kansas. This is one of the things that is so great about Kim Novak's performance is vocally the difference between Madeline and Judy is it's subtle, but yet it's 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 obviously there, and it's one hundred percent consistent. It's about as dramatic consistent. as somebody speaking in an American accent and a British accent. Yeah, um, almost like it's. I mean, and with. And again, so through this whole scene where she talks to him for the first time, it's like, okay, what what is the deal with this? Because she convinces him, yeah, I'm really Judy Barton. I'm this 
person from Salina. I've been living here in this hotel for three years. Never seen you before. Don't know who you are, but you're really weird. And then at the end, it's uh, Scotty's like, okay, all right, I feel bad. Can I take you out to dinner? And okay, she says, yeah, but but come back in an hour. Okay, and so he leaves. And then next big spoiler. This is the major, major spoiler. The camera zooms in on her, and then we have this fade and a flashback. And she's got a flashback of the scene at the park where Madeline dies. And you're like... Oh, she got possessed? What? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, Carlotta Valdez's spirit possessed two different people. What is going on here? And then you figure it all out. She starts to write this note well, to you Scotty. See Gav- no, first of all, you see Gavin there up oh. in the bell tower. And you see Madeline. And oh. then you see somebody else being thrown out the That's window. right. In her flashbacks, she gets to the top of the stairs. Gavin is there holding a body, which he throws out the window, and then he grabs you Judy. You see her try to stop him. Yeah. But... He grabs her, puts his hand over her mouth because she has screamed, and then they slink back into the shadows, and it's like, oh, that's what happened. And then okay. she starts writing Scotty the note that begins, and so you found me. And I've been, you know, this is a day that I've been hoping for and dreading at the same time, and as she's writing the note, it's like, but I always wondered if I saw you again, you know, would I, maybe would I, I was so in love with you, and uh, maybe I'd have the courage to to make you just try to love me for who I am and, and um, stick around, but I guess I can't do that. And then she finishes the note, and then she stands up, and then she tears up the note and tosses it in the trash, and then you realize she is going to try to just be Judy and hope that he never figures out that she was part of this murder plot impersonating Madeline. But she can't get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that because Scotty ends up being so obsessed with Madeline that even though he likes Judy, he immediately begins trying to change her over to look more like Madeline, and he goes so far as to take her out to shop, and he gets the same exact outfits that Madeline wore and has her wear. And Judy, he keeps... doesn't know that she's Madeline, yeah. so he doesn't know that she knows. Yeah, and well, she keeps saying, is... "Why are you doing this? Why are you making me wear this? Is it just because she wore these clothes?" It's like, and it's like, can't you just like me for who I am? And it's like, and he keeps saying to her. Judy, it can't matter to you. He said, what difference does it make yeah, to you? Yeah, what difference does it make to you? These, you know, these are nice clothes. You're going to look better in them anyway. And she's just getting more and more upset because she wants him to love her for who she is. She's in love with him. And he kind of seems like he re- likes her. But at the same time, he's so obsessed with Madeline that he wants to get her to look more and more like her. And he keeps just pushing her further and further. Finally, he gets her to dye her hair. And... Well, the platinum just hits different. That's what the young kids say. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then and finally she comes back to her hotel. She's wearing the new clothes. She's got her hair dyed. And well, the she does it because she also knows that it's his, it's his kink. Yeah, yeah. And like he's he's not gonna stop. Himself. And she holds out the one thing. It's like, oh, I'm not gonna put my hair up though. I'm gonna keep keep my hair down. And what does she do? She walks in the door and he sees her. And then the smile fades. It's like her your hair. You're supposed to have your hair up. And it's like it just didn't suit me. No, come on, Judy. It can't matter to you. Put your hair up. And so, finally, she puts her hair up. 
She's got the clothes on. They've redone her makeup. She is 100% Madeline. And she walks out of the bathroom and he sees her and he's just like, oh my God, you're, you're so beautiful. And um, then they have this this famous kissing scene where Hitchcock, actually they had this, this, this circular stage built so that they could spin it around so we could get this effect of we're spinning around them and he, Jimmy Stewart is looking and he's seeing her hotel room and then he's seeing the museum where they were at with, with uh, t together and all that kind of stuff. And all right. So we're going to stop there because there's another spoiler to come and we, we're going to save the, the final, final, final. Well, we'll see. I, let, let's start talking about what happens. Okay. What, what, what do you think? What, why do you like this movie so much? What, what, what makes this movie work for you? The kink. The kink. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I like the, Okay. You sent me, I didn't realize before just all the color that they play with, with oh, the yeah. green, because like when he first sees her, her, mm -hmm. her drape is green. When she first, when Madeline first meets Scotty, even though That's he's right. wearing a green shirt, he's wearing a her green car yeah. is green. Green guard. The first time he sees Judy, she's wearing green. That's right. The, the green dress. The floor, the lights outside. She's got a green fluorescent are, light that is conveniently right outside her window. And when they have this kiss scene at the end, the green neon light is so flooding the room that the whole room looks like it's green. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you think it's because of like envy? Desire. Desire. Envy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, and you can look up the video of a man like explaining like the yellows and like when it's yellow in the first half and then blues in the second half. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I like the photography, but again, I think because I think Kim Novak would also work as an actor at like you have her at 25 today, mm -hmm. she would, it wouldn't be where she plopped out of a different, where she wouldn't like for me, um, Jean Tierney, gorgeous, Yeah. but she would look, Night, like her era, like right. she would look like she wouldn't look like a twenty-year-old from today. Mm -hmm. But Kim Novak, I feel like, could just you put her in today and you wouldn't even know. Oh, she was in a different oh the time sitters. period. Yeah. Um. So that's I think that's interesting. And she um, said, but we should talk too about it. Oh, she's, How, she's really, so good. Yeah, How, she is so good. And like we said, what which voice is Kim's? Is it the Madeline's or the Judy's? Uh, I don't Probably. know. You read her biography. I can't even remember what part of the country oh, she's from, or or, um, but yeah, Madeline sounds so sophisticated. I think she's from Chicago. Okay, so the the she knows a Midwestern accent at least. But one of the things that's so beautiful about her performance is again, it's the subtle differences in the voice. And when you watch this movie the second time, when you watch that scene where she's right before she goes up the tower, right before. Uh, uh, the murder is committed or the, the dead body is thrown out of the tower, her voice changes for one second. She, sa she says this one line where she kisses him. She says, there's something I must do. And she's still Madeline there. And then five seconds later, Scotty catches up to her and she's starting to get panicked and she knows she's got to get into the church. Then she says, no, this wasn't the way it was supposed to happen. And the way she says that line, supposed to happen, She's Judy. And yeah. 
it's exactly the right thing. The first time you, you see it, you don't notice that at all. But the second time you see it or the third time you see it, you realize she is splitting between Madeline and Judy. And that's part of what makes a performance so great is because she is so believable as Madeline. She is so believable as Judy. And she knows just when to drop one character and pick up the other one. And she never picks up the voice again, even when she turns into Madeline, even when she looks like Madeline at the end, she keeps talking in her Judy voice, and it's a little little strange, but again, that's part of what makes it so fantastic. Well, I mean, I was joking about the kink, but I also, I'm serious. I, I like that it's a little twisted. Not, It's not too far, well. Yeah. Um, well, and like I we, just like watching Jimmy Stewart like I don't know, there's something about seeing somebody get so close to what they want, like, to where you're, like, also mm-hmm. kind of, like, you kind of want her to look like Madeline as yeah. well. So you're kind of like, God, that's kind of messed up that I'm, like, yeah, kind of wanting him to change this person. It's, mm-hmm. Even though it's a movie, so it's not an actual living, like, yeah. actual person having to go through this. You're just kind of, like, you're kind of there with him-ish. And, and so you're is... kind of, like, uncomfortable with it. I like getting uncomfortable in a safe way. Like, if there's a movie that's like, okay, no, I don't like this, how this is making me feel, I like having to go a little bit on the edge with how I feel in a movie. And again, this is because where it, I think... Like you said, it ropes you in. Two years later, when he makes Psycho, Psycho is this master class in audience guilt manipulation. In Psycho... Hitchcock gets you to identify with characters who do bad things and you but you feel their guilt. You are obsessed by their guilt. No matter how terrible the thing is, that's part of what the suspense is. You don't want the people getting caught even though you recognize what they're doing is bad. Like uh, stealing money, cleaning up after a murder, whatever. And in this movie, it's the same thing. We've identified, or at least I identify so strongly with Jimmy Stewart. He sells it so, so well that he is this, this tough, really smart, uh, not going to fall for any nonsense cop. When he gets sucked into the the notion that this really could be either something supernatural or at the at the least the weirdest psychological thing. Well, you don't want him to be with Midge. Right, right. No matter how much we like think Midge is cute, uh, she is not. She had her chance. Right, Um, but he sucks us in so much. I identify with him so much that that I'm willing to go along with this this wild idea about the possession or the the whatever is going on, and then when he comes out of his catatonic state, and he meets Judy, and he becomes so obsessed with with making Judy over, you feel guilty because what he is doing is so terrible. He is, and this is one of the things that I think is so neat about this movie today, in 2022 when you watch this. I think in 1958, this was mostly just a murder mystery. And it was a whole thing. What a cool idea. You have somebody uh, impersonate your wife. And it turns out you, his wife lived in the country. And so nobody ever really saw her all that much. So she could walk around impersonating her. And that's why the movie... The, the, and, oh, it, he's got vertigo. And so they plan the whole thing where he's got to go up the tower and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, it's ridiculous. But they sell it so well, you believe it the first couple of times that you watch it. Okay. But in 2022, you watch this, and when Jimmy Stewart is making over Judy, it just feels... This is so much 
a man dominating a woman, insisting. And, and it's, on the one hand, Alfred Hitchcock was famous for using romance and for using beautiful women and particularly beautiful blonde women in his movies because Alfred Hitchcock understood that part of what makes the movie sell is not just a great story. It is, it's, it's the fantasy of these incredibly idealized goddess-like women up on the screen. That's, you can have the greatest mystery action story that you want, but if you don't also have sex appeal and these beautiful women up there, it doesn't do as well. He understands that. Not only does he have Kim Novak playing that, he has Kim Novak playing a girl who is playing that part in the movie. So Madeline in the movie is like all the other women in all the other Hitchcock movies, only Jimmy Stewart is the audience along with us. And Jimmy Stewart would rather have this idealized version of this fictional Madeline character who is perfect, who has absolutely no flaws. She's beautiful. She's sophisticated. She's mysterious. She's got a great voice. She, yeah. She's, there is, she's not real, but he would prefer her to the real Judy, who is a perfectly nice girl, but she's just ordinary. She's well, not... He, did, he doesn't know that she's in love with him. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't... He doesn't know that she was already in love with him. Yeah. Because um, she is Madeline. Yeah, and... It, Without... Like, how... Okay. So, at first, he wants a... You can tell, he just wants a platonic relationship. So, how hard that is for her to be where she... Is in love with him. Yeah. And all he wants is a platonic relationship. So it's kind of like um, if you listen to our Random Harvest episode. Yeah. Which is a movie about a man that forgets he has amnesia. And so he forgets his who his wife is. And she's in, anyway, she tries to get him to remember her. Because they have a wonderful love story. But he's in love with a ghost. And, or right. Know, and it's the same kind of. It's Random Harvest-ish here. Yeah. He's in Very love much with like ghost, Random Harvest. She knows. Mm-hmm. She knows it. She knows. Uh, Judy knows. Yeah, she knows about a past relationship. He doesn't know about it. Yes. And just how hard that would be. Um, yeah, and the fact to that she, have it to be. She allows this man to take her over, oof. and just completely change everything about her. Um, and, and again, well, this, and he, that he, yeah, he's still not falling in love with her for who she is. Yeah, and she like keeps, how insulting that would be, how heartbreaking. Like I, like she cries at the, t- like she's miserable after that shopping, or she's just hunched over at the desk, and she's just like, why, why are you doing this to me? Yeah, and he's so it's obsessed. Only, with, he doesn't even care. So she's saying, she says to him, like she's begging him to like her for her. Yeah, and he's not even listening to her. He says, he's looking at her, and then he's like. Let's change your hair. Yeah. Oh. And that's when he's like, what difference does it make to you? Yeah. There's this she's great like saying, ex- please. This great exchange. Whereas it's like, it's in, you're only with me because I remind you of her and not even her? that very much. Yeah. And then he goes, no, Judy, it's you too. It's you too. And then he takes her, her face in his hand and he looks at her. And then it, like not two tenths of a second later, he's looking, he says, your hair, your hair. We got to change your hair. And Oh my God, like I said, he, he just, he insists on making this woman into this ideal. And I just think this is something that happens millions and millions of times over in relationships. And, you know, women, I, I sometimes do this with men too in, in other ways, but I think men are especially guilty of this. They've been taught 
to see women on the screen as being perfect and sexy and wonderful and all that kind of stuff. And then they meet a great woman in real life and she just can't measure up to what he's seen. And so he, he forces her to change. And particularly, and, and especially in 1958, it's easy to believe this, she goes along with it. It's like, if I do this, if I, if I, if I wear the darn clothes, will you love me for who I am? And it's like, oh yeah, sure I will. But of course he won't, he can't, he can't. He's, he's never going to let go of, of Madeline for, for Judy. But then also like with Judy, okay, she, she's in love with him, but how can she get over knowing that somebody is dead? Well, that's like, okay. Like how is she not going to crack? Yeah. You know, like to have like an actual healthy relationship with him. Yeah, this is the other regardless thing. Regardless of the whole like messed up stuff he's doing to her, like that yeah. she would need therapy for. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, but I, again, it's it's preposterous, really. It's it's preposterous to think that Gavin Elster is going to commit this murder and then leave the country and then leave Judy behind and just say, oh, well, she's not going to tell anybody because, you know, she's, she's an no accessory. Chance of him- Running into her, San Francisco's a big enough city. Yeah, there's, and then it's it's preposterous to think that Judy's going to stay there in San Francisco, and it's preposterous to think that when she meets Scotty again, n- no matter how crazy she is about Scotty, based on those you know four days that they spent together, um, that she's going to sacrifice, you know, take the, the the chance of being exposed as an accessory, an accomplice to a murder with this former police detective, but she does it. But again, when you watch the movie, you believe it. You believe that she is so in love with Scotty that she is willing to take this chance. And you believe that he is so in love with Madeline that he is going to go through this, this whole obsession deal with her. It works, but it's, it's like, you have to be, just a master storyteller you have to be an incredible director to make a movie like this have everybody believe it have it be a masterpiece when it is such a ridiculous plot there's so many reasons and and the murder itself there's no way in the world that anybody would try to commit a murder this way i mean there are like six million ways that this plot could go well, wrong. Well, then how does Gavin get the body up in broad daylight up to the tower without the nun seeing? Yeah. Because they do it at, in the daytime. Right. Yeah, he's already up there in broad daylight with a dead body that he's ready to throw. And how do they get down with nobody seeing them? I don't know. How does she spend two weeks walking around town impersonating his wife and nobody that knows his actual wife runs into her? I don't know. How does she know that he's uh, Scotty's going to let her get into the church to the stairway? I don't know. Yeah. How does she know that he isn't going to be able to make it all? I don't know. But it works. I mean, you watch the movie and it's like, oh, yeah, of course. But and that's again, that's what's I think what what makes the movie so devastating is that they suck you in. They get you to believe these things, even though they're unbelievable, because the storytelling is so good. The performances are so good. And because you get sucked in, you it, all these surprises just hit you over the head like a two by four. And again, you've invested in these, these characters. You've shared in their guilt. And you feel bad for them. Right. Well, because even with Judy, 
you see her you see her as Madeline or know her as Madeline more than you know her as Judy, so you also want her to have the happy ending. So you're like, yeah, no, I want them to be together. I want them to, even though it's like, how can they be together? Because she can't like tell him that she's Madeline because even though he's in love with her, like if she told him that, he would end up hating her because it would be to where is he gonna fall out of love with her because she was an accomplice to a murder. Yeah, so, like it would actually release him of the Madeline spell. Right. But she's also in love with him, so she needs to keep so, that a yeah, secret. So my big question for you, who's 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 the most guilty in this movie? There's all this guilt to go around. Who's the most guilty? Who does the Mitch, worst? because if she wouldn't have broken up with him <laughs> in college, she would have been engaged and married, and this never would have happened. Uh, yeah. There well, you go. I guess he could have still been having the vertigo, but... Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um... Yeah, because they both have where it's like. You one hundred percent. I at least both, I mean I they want, have different. I want them both to have the happy ending ish, and but it's like why no yeah, no want, she she killed somebody she yeah, was an accomplice in a murder. I want Judy to get away with that crime. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, I, and there is. I mean, she does at the very end. She does, you know, tell him what happened. Yeah, and it's like I try, I was gonna I tried to tell you right before it happened, but it was too late and. He had already killed her, and that's why I screamed, because he heard this scream, even though Madeline was already dead. He heard the scream before the body fell, and so she was actually screaming to try to stop him, but yet she had gone along with the whole plot for weeks, months, whatever it took. But you wanted well, to get then, away with yes, it. Yes, but then when Jimmy Stewart finds out, we don't have to give her the whole ending away, but... When he does find out and his voice changes with her, talk about another voice change, oh, yeah. like or a demeanor change. Yeah, oh, he goes got from this being like of, very like. He's oh, got this kind of manic look on his face when he, he figures looks like out he could kill her. Yeah, because he he figures out that she's mad. We'll, we'll say this much: he figures out that she's Madeline in dis, in disguise. And yeah, you're so you're thinking maybe he'll be like, oh. But no, it's, yeah. he's bad. He doesn't just confront her. He plays along, but he's got this just evil look on his face when he's doing it. Yeah, and, and you don't think Jimmy Stewart's capable of having an evil in him. Oh, oh. yeah. This is, wow. And But, again, talking about guilt, I mean, it's it's... Even though Jimmy Stewart doesn't realize that Judy is guilty of, of being an accessory to a, a murder... It's like Jimmy, uh, Scotty, it's like he's murdering Judy. He is. I was going to say, actually, I was going to say he's murdering Judy. Yeah, he's he's Like when he was this... taking her look away, like his, yeah. you know, changing the color of her hair. Yeah, I, it's, it's like he's going to kill everything that is Judy so that Madeline could be resurrected yes. in her place. No, he, he killed Judy. Yeah. He did. So, I mean, he is... is as guilty as anybody and and again that's part of what makes it so good and when you watch the movie a second time and you watch the first part of the movie and you're seeing kim novak play judy playing madeline and you know she's making it up well yeah and you, you can't keep so... you can't keep up with who you are wanting to be with him yeah like it's like well, you, you don't know judy so... yeah, you feel you... bad for judy but you're also like she was madeline though so it's you know yeah. She's capable of being Madeline. Maybe she... I don't know. Yeah. It's but, hard to keep up with who you're... Yeah. The first time you watch it, Madeline is just Madeline and you're in love with her. The second time you watch it, Madeline is Judy pretending to be Madeline and you're feeling her guilt 
for being so good at playing this role and fooling poor Scotty into thinking that she's somebody else. So, again, that's part of the reason why you got to watch it more than once just to appreciate all that's going on there. Um, anyway, I don't What else is there to say about Vertigo? One of the best movies you will ever see, and you're going to want to see it more than... You're going to finally once. say, yeah, that was a great movie recommendation. That's exactly right. You're going to be like, for all these young people, they're going to make it go viral on TikTok. That's, that's the kind of movie this is. <laughs> they're the going to post of, about it. Yeah. They're going to make TikToks about it. It's going to be blowing up, LOL. <laughs> is that... No, I, I don't know. What, I, I think that's still a thing. Sure. I don't know yeah. what the newer things are, but yeah. it's something to where... Yeah. yeah, it's it, it has that capability. Yeah. I would die on the hill for it. You know what okay. I mean? I would mm-hmm. die on the hill that this could, if the young people actually watch this movie, it would go mm-hmm. viral. Yeah, you're going to be watching it and going WTF. Yeah. Or DTF, down to... Yeah. <laughs> right. I, okay. Oh, I think well, I Well, we got like five seconds left. Okay, you got to watch this movie. It's It's fantastic. It's love. It's upsetting.